All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I am, of course, Nick Baumgartner, joined this week with by Brennan Quinn, separate, separated again, I suppose. I don't know yes, if sir. I have to keep saying that. I don't know. This is just what we're doing. I think and we're then, at the point where we could, like, do it on a patio in person or something. Oh, yeah, as long as there's a, you know, a, a six-foot stick in between us. Is that? Yeah, um, I mean, I prefer being at least six <laughs> feet away from you in normal yeah. times. So. We, we would have been 12 feet away in a normal <laughs> yeah. circumstance, but uh, in any event... Brennan and I here this week alongside Colton Pouncey again joining us uh, with some Michigan State stuff. We figured we'd talk some Michigan State football schedule. Austin and I talked Michigan schedule on the RPM podcast yesterday, which is available right now. Uh, Colton, how are we doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, it was nice to talk a little bit of football yesterday. Wasn't it? Uh, hmm. Yeah, it felt, uh, felt the most normal. It's been a long time, even though we still have this cloud hanging over us. But yeah. that was that was good to talk to football yesterday. I liked it. It was a wild day. It was there was a lot of stuff that happened. There was a lot of stuff that happened. I mean, UConn like canceled its season at eight thirty-five, <laughs> and the Big Ten announces its schedule at eight forty. And then I think the NCA did whatever it was doing with uh, Division two and three sports uh, championships, which I believe uh, were they canceled or did I they cancel they two and three? Yes. Um, fall. You also fall. fall you, you also had the Big Ten. Uh, Players, uh, more than a thousand of them, Colton getting uh, signing the what was it, Big Ten United, uh, similar to the Pac-12. Although this one seems like it's at least a little more. Um, everyone seems to be more on the same page. Anyway, a lot, a lot of stuff going on, but it all sort of like Colton said, it felt normal. It felt like in a normal <laughs> circumstance, I would have been like, "Well, this is horrible. We have too much shit yeah. to get through." But you know, it was like, "Hey, okay, like that's different." So uh, I, I, I was bad. I was in the middle of a golf thing and just checked Twitter for something. And uh, and just saw just Michigan, Michigan State, just everyone just up in arms about the schedules. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is wonderful. Yeah, it was, yeah. it it was, was right like back. sun yeah. after a rainy uh, day. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of that to get into, the Michigan, Michigan State part, because that was a factor. I, uh, right when Colton shared with us. <laughs> the schedule was it uh, Tuesday night or whatever. I said, "You go look and see. Uh, we got an Easter egg here with the Michigan, Michigan State back to back." But in any event, uh, we do want to talk Michigan State schedule here, uh, Colton. Overall, I know you wrote a story that's up uh, on the Athletic right now with sort of your thoughts on it. Uh, I put some of my thoughts on it as well. Uh, to me, to me, Michigan State schedule, and I think we're in agreement. Recruiting is more important right now than anything else, but. Um, you know, when you look at this at the top, I suppose my initial thought was, you know, it could be worse, um, but it's still going to be an uphill climb no matter what happens, no matter who you put in, Michigan, in front of them. But it, it, more than anything, I guess just give us your first uh, sort of reactions when you saw it all laid out like that. Yeah, so it's funny because, like, Michigan State was always supposed to start the 2020 season with a Big Ten team. Now that That's was right. going to be September 5th against Northwestern. So. They were going to get right into it regardless, but obviously in the new schedule, there's some tweaks there. So first thing that caught my eye was Minnesota as your opener. And so it's, it's a little different than Northwestern coming off of yeah. what, three and nine season, whatever they were last year. You got an 11-2 team come back. So that's a little tough. Uh, that game will be played in East Lansing. That'll be the start of the Mel Tucker era. So I'm sure, you know, that's a little bit more of a draw, I think, if you're trying to watch that game and, and get a sense of what Michigan State wants to do with Mel Tucker. I think that's... You know, mm-hmm. that that's a bigger game. Totally, for sure. yeah. Um, and I, I think from there, you look at the month of September, you have Maryland and Northwestern come back in week three. Uh, those are probably two of the more winnable games on the schedule. 
you know, North, yeah, that Minnesota game is going to be tough. So I think the other two games are definitely more favorable. So I think there's a chance they could start two and one. And then after that, that's when the schedule really takes a turn. <laughs> yeah, it's not impossible. Things go off the rails here. Yeah, <laughs> it's not impossible. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I would call it likely. Right. Right. But not impossible. Uh, certainly not impossible. And, and maybe I don't know if I would say likely, but I mean, like, I would. I would assume they're going to have a win, at least one win, heading into that Penn State road game. But the thing to remember, though, okay, so when you go to Penn State. You go to Penn State and you play the crowd because that is, yeah. I mean, uh, Colton, have you been to uh, Happy Valley yet? Yeah, 2018. That was when so, Brian LaRocky to Felton Davis, game winner, right. like 24 so, seconds left. So Colton's been there. Brennan, you are from Pennsylvania, so you know, even though you're from like a city that doesn't, you know, count itself as being in Pennsylvania or whatever. But I, I attended enough parties at Penn State yeah, back in the right. day to imagine what the stadium is <laughs> Brennan, like. Brennan, <laughs> Brennan has consumed... Brendan has consumed 2,000 beers outside of uh, Beaver Stadium. Dude, you have to remember, I'm going to this small Catholic school yeah. in West Philadelphia. We would go out on a weekend to like a football weekend at Penn State, and it was like 40,000 yeah. kids. Like, what are we doing at this bullshit little college? But anyway, yes. <laughs> so Michigan State probably wouldn't have gotten the whiteout this year. I think yeah. they probably would have gone to Ohio State. But uh, if you're playing that thing – in any kind of national TV setting and Penn State's good, it, the crowd is a huge pain in the ass to deal with. They don't have to deal with that. So you go to Happy Valley, in theory, if that game happens, and now suddenly you don't have as many distractions. And who, I mean, maybe that you're looking for any edge you get, you know, if, if that evens the playing field, who knows? I, I would say through those first four, though, one win seems like probably the minimum. 0 and 4 would be probably. Not great, but I mean, like, Colton, I mean, my God, they haven't had any time to do anything. They haven't had any in-person work. They haven't had any time to do – we talk a lot about recruiting, but, I mean, in terms of development with the team this year, they haven't had a chance to do anything. I mean, it's just it's so unique and so different. Yeah, I feel like if they aren't already, uh, MC fans will need to temper expectations for the season. Uh, oh, yeah. Because this is a rebuild. As much as Mark D'Antonio wanted to call this, you know, we still have a chance, like, I can complete my circle – with the roster he has and the new staff coming in that's going to change some things up and they haven't even had time to do that yet, right. this is going to be a work in progress the entire season. Um, and you look at that first month, you got, again, Minnesota and then Penn State. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose both those games. Like, I, that's, think so, I, yeah. I just think that's, that's, that's just probably how it's going to go. Um, if you come away with two, two and two out of that month, I think you feel really good about where you are. And maybe you can pull off an upset in that. That game yeah. October 3rd that we're going to talk about soon. But uh, <laughs> I just think the, the way the schedule is set up, it's not gonna, you're not probably not going to see like more than four four wins was probably the max. And that's like yeah. probably the best case scenario. Um, you're feeling pretty good about four and six season in a 10-game schedule. Just based on all the circumstances, coming in late, not having a spring, having a rush with the final month before the season starts and you know everything else that kind of goes into that. I think what you're looking for in that first month is whatever you start out, you know, whatever you look like when you start the season against Minnesota in theory um, is whatever it'll be. You know, it's just, it's not going to be pretty probably, uh, but Minnesota might not be pretty either starting out right away, but it's going to be clunky. The the thing to remember though, is if you get all the way down to Penn State and you lose that game and you're one and three or whatever, to me, if you look better than you did on September 5th in September 26th against a better team at Penn State and you still lose, then to me, that's, in this situation, that has to be counted as, you know, a good thing. If you're, if they're improving, you know, in three, four week blocks along the way, uh, and if they're better on November, whatever, 21st, the last day of the season, 
than they were on, you know, October 17th or September 5th, then that's a win. And it doesn't always work that way. I mean, in first yeah. year, sometimes it really goes in the shitter and everything falls apart and you can't, you can't rescue it. But if you can continue to sort of like, and you know, you'll know it when you see it, when, when you, you know, little things here or there, somebody, the light goes on for somebody, whatever, then those are kind of the little wins. I think that Mel Tucker and those guys will probably be looking for this season. Yeah. I mean, you're just looking for the, the progress, like you mentioned yeah. in blocks. And honestly, progress from last season in those competitive games, like, Obviously, yes. I think I think the final score for Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio State last year was 144 to 27. Yeah. Like that's 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 really how good. much MSU lost by against those teams. So if you can keep things competitive, you can you know Mel Tucker can have something that he can point to and say this is our system. Like mm-hmm. it's it's coming along. You got to feel really good about that if you're MSU. If it I gets would, down to it, sorry, Brandon, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I think. Um, a team in Michigan State's situation is in um, much more of an advantage than your highly ranked teams that are competing for championships that are looking to build momentum of the year and go win it all and blah, 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 where you're, you know, you need your home field advantage. You need all this. You need all that. You know, when you're in a spot like Michigan State, the, you know, if all of these games are played, whatever this, the actual atmosphere looks like in these games, you know, you won't have to play those late season games when you're one and five, whatever, and the stadium's emptying out and there's the groans yeah. and the crap, right? And it just gets That's that, true. it gets that bad, just kind of, you know, a team just has some stink to it and no one wants to really be, a, it's just miserable, right? Like you guys have been around teams like yeah. that. Now it can just be like every week is just, yo, we're preparing for the future. This is you know, another opportunity and like you can buy in, I think a lot easier in that week to week progress than when there's negativity around. Right. I was going to say that was huge last year. I mean, mm-hmm. going into the Ohio state game in early October, Michigan state was four and one. Yeah. And they played Ohio state, Wisconsin. Uh, they had a couple buys with Penn state yeah. in the middle. Yeah, the two buys. Uh, yeah. Illinois. <laughs> They had the, the collapse against Illinois and then yeah. 44 to 10 against Michigan. That was a huge losing streak. And it just felt like it was just snowballing as each week progressed. So you're not going to have that this year. And that was a team that kind of went into the season with at least some hope that they can compete for, mm-hmm. you know, a Big East title. I didn't think that was likely, but they at least thought that they can get there. I'm not yeah. sure if that's going to be the mindset this year. I think some they're going to understand, at least the coaching staff will understand that it's going to take some time to build this thing up. And I think that'll allow them to kind of play pressure-free. And if they can win some games and pull off an upset, that's going to be huge for this development. It will. And some lessons needed to be learned from, you know, those games that Colton just mentioned, you know, last season, even if with the new staff. I mean, you know, if you're Mel Tucker and, and and the crew there, I mean, part of your goal would be, I would I would think, to say, okay, guys, you need to get back to remembering what it takes to not only – finish a week of practice when you're going into a game like that, but also, you know, kind of hold the rope for four quarters. Because as we saw against Ohio State, I thought Michigan State played its butt off the whole way through, right? I think we can yeah. agree on that. Yeah. Wisconsin, I think it got a little hairy and we saw them sort of say, okay, well, this isn't happening. Penn State, same thing. Michigan, same thing. And it was like, yeah, they, they were at a talent disadvantage, but those Mark Antonio teams, when they were really rock and roll, and they gave you everything they had all the way through. Last year's team didn't really do that every week and I think you could argue Colton the year before maybe the same thing at times I mean I think they need to get back to you know playing through all of it no matter how bad it can get as long as you're hanging in there and really giving everything you have and you're going to see progress one way or the other even if you end up losing because I mean this is a rebuild it's not 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, like you said earlier, it's not a completion of the circle. I mean, that was sounded insane when we heard it last time because last year, because it was, it didn't make any sense. I mean, they needed a fresh start. They needed everything brand new and, and they'll get it, which brings us to our next point here. The first four games to me are in preparation for the fifth, which is October 3rd against uh, at Michigan. If Mel Tucker can go into that game and somehow show, you know, have a decent showing, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he has to win the thing, but I mean, have a decent showing and, and get them feeling good about themselves. Then whatever happens in those first four, doesn't matter as much. If you can leave Michigan Stadium on October 3rd with something positive in your mind, I think that's going to do you know wonders for the, for the program in terms of the guys in the program and in terms of their ability to recruit, you know, going forward. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the in-state prospects for next year and they're going to be watching that game for sure and they're going to want to see what Mel Tucker can do against Michigan. Everyone watches that game. So, if he can come out and keep it close, keep keep it competitive through four quarters, he can come back to them in the offseason or whenever he wants to recruit again and say, look, we were close this year and this is just my first year. We are just getting started. You can come here, help us get over the top, and we'll be beating these guys each and every year. That's that's all that's how he can sell it, even yep. if it's a close game. If it's if it's a blowout, yeah, which yeah. very could well be the case, you know, we don't know how this is gonna work, but if it's a blowout, it's less it's harder to do that. It's hard to to sell that vision. Um, but if you can keep it close against those competitive teams, especially your arch rival in Michigan. Um, that's going to go a long way towards recruiting and keeping some of those kids in state and away from that school. Shit, and if you if you can pull off an upset, you get a bye week there to go sell the dream. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. even get this. Who knows? Maybe we're in a situation where you can actually go into somebody's house and sell it in person. You uh, know, uh, uh, yeah. Probably not. But also, let's be clear on that point. Well, Colton just mentioned the in-state recruiting. Michigan you know, his one, two out of three got the series back to what most people around here are probably used to seeing in terms of the last 30 years or whatever. Uh, but Michigan doesn't have some sort of vice grip on talent in this state. Let's be clear about that. Michigan right. Penn, doesn't Penn have... Penn State has more clout in Michigan than both right. right now. <laughs> it's not some insurmountable, you know, situation. We just saw a deal where, you know, Andrew Anthony, a kid from East Lansing High School, ended up going to Michigan in a situation where, you know, that's going to be a sting and everything else. But it's not like... It's not like there's just this automatic, like if you're a good player in the state of Michigan, that you're automatically like, you know, funneling. Yep. That's not, that's not, this isn't the 90s or the 80s. I mean, this is a different deal. So it doesn't take much sometimes. It just takes something small, maybe for a certain kid to change his mind or a little bit. And that can build and build. And that's modern recruiting. That's just how it is. It's the, the regional stuff. The world shrinks because of social media and everything else, obviously. But it's, uh, you know, there's openings there. You just got to. You know, the harder part will be getting to a position where you can take advantage of some of those openings. Is is there a more fertile ground for fucking amazing takes than when uh, a recruiting battle involves one kid going from one town to the rival town of the other? Oh no! It yeah, just gets no. so oh, it's Bra- yeah. juicy. Brandon Johns, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just takes on takes on takes, and it's great. Anthony was always going to be a big deal. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. Even, I mean, he's a guy that's like almost ranked in the six hundreds. So he's not like a he's four, good. four or five yeah. star guy. Yeah. I do think he's a good player, and yeah. he would have been Michigan State's highest rated player had they got him. But yeah, I mean, all the narratives were here. You know, the first recruiting battle between Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker, and a kid that grew up right. in East Lansing, but like watched Michigan and, and was a fan of that team growing up. So all the narratives were here for that perfect storm of. of it uh, would have been a, a yeah. nice win for him. Uh, yeah. for Mel Tucker, obviously, because it, he's a good player, number one. But yeah. it would have been a nice win. 
And for Michigan, you know, I look at it on the other side and I say, okay, well, Michigan likes him first and foremost. They're not taking him unless they think he can play and they think he's good. They think he can play. But beyond that, they know that that would have been a bigger deal for Mel Tucker than it was for them. And anytime you can do that to your rival, you do it. Like that's Urban Meyer 101. We, I saw him do that to Brady Hoke every day for like the last two or whatever years of Brady Hoke's tenure here. He did it all the time. And it worked a lot. Uh, and so, and Brady Hoke ended up losing this job because it happened at times. You know, I mean, you get yourself in there, you make things more complicated. Sometimes you you get a you get a win that maybe isn't as big a deal to you. You still like the player, you still want him, but it hurts your rival more than it helps you maybe in the moment. And I think that one maybe was the situation. But for Michigan State, it's you know as you go down the schedule, October seventeenth at Ohio's or home against Ohio State. Obviously, no one expects that to be. Anything but a loss. Uh, Rutgers would be another one there, the 24th. If Rutgers is still playing, I I guess. I don't know what's going on or if anyone is. Honestly. Um, Then at Iowa, that's not a favor. Home against Indiana, off week, and then at Nebraska. So, Colton, you said four wins. Uh, You know, realistically, I think that's, you know, three or four was kind of what I thought. Five would be impressive. Anything You're you're throwing a a parade and building the statue of Mel Tucker if you can get to five. Five would be impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Three and three or four feels feels more like in the strike zone, and I guess depending on you know who knows, it could be worse than that. But you're not worse than Rutgers. They should be able to you know beat Northwestern at home. At Maryland isn't uh, isn't anything that's so insurmountable. Uh, they beat Indiana last year. I mean you know that's beat them not, ten out of the last eleven. Yeah. Right, that's not a guarantee. Is Indiana's a good program? And then at Nebraska, I mean Nebraska's been. Nothing special. Well, and what Steph does at Nebraska up? mean too? Like yeah. you know, Nobody's like there. if there's right, if it's a scrimmage, essentially, yeah. right? Who knows? Yeah, and that was a game that was added to the the schedule um, yeah. when they went from nine to ten. So, yeah, I think that was a pretty favorable draw. That's a definitely winnable game. They've bad. gone four and eight and five and seven the last two years with Scott Frost. So I don't know. They haven't really gotten off the ground yet. Right, and again, like Brendan's saying, Nebraska's a. If you go to Nebraska in a normal setting, you're dealing with the crowd. They sell out every game. It's a hostile environment, everything else, and you wouldn't be in this case if the game is played. Same with Iowa. The road game at Iowa, suddenly everything, the sting goes out of that because, you know, Kinnick can be an absolute viper pit when they want it to be. But if there's nobody there, then, you know, it's not the same thing. So And it goes the same yeah. way the other way, though. You know, it's exactly, North, yeah. Northwestern and Rutgers are telling themselves the same thing. Oh, right. you, you, you see a game at Spartan Stadium, that's an L. But under this circumstances, you know, maybe you steal one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the case sure. all the way around. It's going to be so interesting. I have no idea what to expect about any of this stuff. Like watching Michigan and Ohio State in a game where there's no crowd, I don't even know what that would look like. Michigan mm-hmm. and Michigan State, you know, kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, those are the two games – for our purposes, that are always the most juiced up. I guess at Penn State sometimes can get that way. At least um, the cities will remain intact. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, nobody can tailgate. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the cities yeah. will remain intact. Yeah, right. yeah, no garbage on the ground. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody will have to clean up uh, trash bags until 3 in the morning. But it's just an interesting, it, I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to look like or going to look like. Or Obviously, we don't know if it'll even happen. But it um, it's sure. an interesting year for the for the Spartans there. I'll be curious for what you guys think of like what it will be like in our respective towns. Like Colton, I don't know how far you live from the stadium, but like I'm like five minutes away. Okay, yeah. so like on Saturdays, like you feel it, like when you wake yeah. up, like you know where I live in Ann Arbor, um, like I can hear the band, 
mm-hmm. warming up in in the mornings. Like you know, it'll be that like eight a.m. and at that time of year, you're sleeping with the window open. So at like eight a.m., you can hear like the echo of like the drum lines getting ready to go and stuff. And like I don't even give a shit about like Michigan football or whatever. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, leaves yeah. are color are changing, and I hear the drums. It's just like there's that vibe. And then uh, I live close to the main thoroughfare where all the cars come in off the highway, and I love to go running on Saturday morning and kind of see the 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 cars lined up and it's just going to be i don't know I, I, I really really yeah. weird like everything else like is it just going to do you think it's going to feel like games like college football games or do you think it's going to have like a general feel of like none of this really counts because it's not real i think it's going to feel like like spring football in a way yeah. like <laughs> i mean that's a great way to put it yeah like Obviously, like everything that goes into a college football Saturday, whether it's tailgating, the marching band, all that, like the the events set up outside Spartan Stadium and like the the fields out there, like all that stuff's really going to be gone for the most part. And if anything, my drive to the stadium is going to be easier because it's not going to be traffic. <laughs> so that'll be nice for me at least. Media parking is going to be dope. Oh yeah, <laughs> just an empty garage. Just roll yeah. on in, no big deal. But it is going to be weird. I think there's a ton of angles to like dive into with that. I think. Um, Mitch Sherman, our Nebraska writer, and uh, Max Olson, one of our national writers, just kind of took the temperature in Lincoln to talk about like mm-hmm. yeah. what this season's going to be story. like. So I, th- I think mm-hmm. you can do that across the country, especially in, in our, our college towns, which just love college football. And if that's not here, if they're not able to have that experience this year, it's going to be weird for sure. I'm interested to see what they're – I mean, I keep seeing all this stuff about – and I haven't read as much of it probably as I should have. But, I mean, I, I see a lot of these programs are still – you know, we're considering selling tickets, um, you know, maybe even considering letting students in. I, I mean, it, that's something, I guess. But it's even that would be weird to me. It's just if you just had students in there, a couple hundred students. Or whatever. I mean, it it just seems just like be... such an unnecessary risk. I don't get yeah, it. It's, not, it's yeah. not like it would compute to any sort of actual atmosphere or make anything feel remotely normal. It would feel yeah. like that Utah game, Nick. Remember that shit? At the oh, end? my God. Yes. <laughs> Um, so this game was one of those September th- lightning storms, right? You know how we okay. always get the lightning? Amazing. Yeah. What was it, like the third week of the season? Yeah. And yeah. Michigan's getting beat. I mean, the game was over. It was like Michigan was done. And it looked terrible. I mean, it was just a looked, terrible yeah. game. And Utah came in and yeah. no one cared about the game in the first place. And so then they beat them. Lightning delay happened in like the fourth <laughs> quarter or the third quarter or something. And they emptied yeah. the stadium out for like three hours. And Michigan was not going to call the game. They were not going to just be like, all right, we concede. So they made everyone hang on. They brought everybody back in, and they finished the game in literally an empty – I mean, there was like 200 Utah fans that hung yeah. out and were losing their mind in the, by the tunnel at the end of it. But it was completely empty for like an entire quarter, and it was like, what the hell are we watching? But that's wow. – I had forgotten all about that. That's what the, That's possibly what it looked like with scoreboards and weird music playing and nobody in there. And everything else. It, and, yeah. There have been. I mean, Audie Snyder was telling me, our Penn State writer, she was telling me about the lightning delay at Michigan State, Penn State. Oh, like yeah. In 2017, yeah. which was like three hours. Um, I think against, there was a game last year. Was that Penn State maybe too? <laughs> it's always Penn State. There was uh, a, a, a rain delay. Was, yeah, yeah. Where like they took everyone out and everyone was like in the tunnels for a long time. But they weren't playing through that, I don't think. Um, but I don't know. That was, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. It could just be. It's going to look weird, man, for sure. It'll look know. weird, but if it happens, uh, that'd be better than it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't 
if it happens, it'd be cool. I don't know if it will. Would, I mean, I don't think anyone's I, confident oh, that it will. But, you know. Here's a question for you. Would you rather stay up in the press box or would you rather go into the, the I'd stadium? Go, I'd go in the stands in a second. Yeah. If they let you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they let you go in there, I don't know what the situation is with all that. I don't even know. Like, I think that press boxes will be at uh, at least half or less capacity, too. I don't think they're going to let as Probably. many people in. No, I wouldn't think so. No, I mean, the, the thing is that they will have the advantage of being able to see what other sports are doing, see what ML, yeah. how MLB is handling their stadiums. And I've heard various things about what it's been like. Like, MLB is not opening the stadium. You can't just wander around and sit right. wherever you okay. want. And, like, and for, like, even photographers where you're like, why? Like, what? And, and like if and if a photographer wants to go somewhere, they need to be escorted, which doesn't make any sense. Now you're involving yeah. a second person, so I don't see how that makes any sense. But um, yeah, I would think that they'll be able to use. Um, at that point, will there have been any preseason NFL games? There are no I think preseason. They, NFL they canceled games. them. Yeah, oh, on. I thought they were doing one. No, they're doing no. none. Uh, okay. So they'll start after. So college football will be if this happens. The Big Ten will be the. I think the SEC is later, right? They were they scheduled twenty sixth. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure if we got an if we have an ACC schedule yet. Do we? I don't, is that coming this week? Uh, but regardless, the Big Ten today. Whatever the Big Ten's first game is, in theory, here would be, you know, the opening. A lot of it could change. I mean, and you know, as this goes along, things could be changed. You know, as time yeah. wears on there, but they're going to have to figure this out on their own. On, on are, this, I, are there any more like? Week zero games, or were those all kind of pushed back? I assume those were most of those were probably wiped. Although I did see some that were early-ish that had been scheduled. I saw the Sun Belt and the MAC are still, yeah, trying to give it a go. So I'm not so sure about all that. But um, in any event, uh, we have schedules. We don't know what to do with them, but we do have them, and uh, (laughs) that is something. It's better than nothing, I guess. But Colton, your thoughts last before we go. you read the the uh, the players union, or it's not a union, but United, I suppose. I mean, you know, it should be a union that should have something like that if they want it. Uh, but you read all that that um, that those guys put together from the Big Ten stance, and I, you know, you got a chance to hear from Kevin Warren uh, on his take on it. And it seems to me that it's been, at least right now, anyway, it's been much more collaborative than what we saw with the Pac-12, um, in that the Big Ten has encouraged it and they've encouraged the players to voice their concerns whether or not they listen to all of it i guess i don't know but i was i'm interested your thoughts on on sort of the you know the thousand or so players that put their put their name to you know that 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 list of uh priorities they want yeah i mean when the pac-12 announced theirs i think you sort of saw this coming um other conferences kind of doing the same and i figured there would be you know a handful of MSU guys involved, but if it's if it's a thousand players out of yeah, however many players in the conference, you know, a lot of a lot of these guys are on board. I saw Antoine Simmons was, was tweeting about it, and Jalen Naylor as well. So, um, I guess my thoughts, you know, I, I think most of their demands, or I don't even know if that's the right word, but the things that they yeah, want to see improved, their asks, yeah. Um, I think they were pretty reasonable. I think some of the stuff was already kind of in place, right. uh, like you know, continuing to honor scholarships or spots and I don't know, things like that. Uh, I, I understand. And I think they wanted three tests uh, yeah. instead of the, the two that the big 10 already had in place. So I don't know. I think, I feel like there's some room to, you know, have these conversations, try to get to a place where they feel comfortable enough to play. Um, but I have no problem with them kind of speaking up and, you know, showing that, Hey, if we're going to play the season, knowing that these guys are unpaid and mm-hmm. you know, the money that, that these schools make off them, like 
they should feel comfortable playing this this sport this year. And that's that was kind of my take on it. I guess. It was nice to see. I thought the Big Ten be like, you know, we're here to listen to you and talk yeah. with you guys. And they, they were not they, dismissive. Yeah, really. That, that was nice to see because, and not that the Pac-12 as a body did that, but like you saw some consternation out there immediately from folks being like, what are these guys doing asking for all this stuff? You know, we're trying. And it's like, why don't you just call down? They're the ones who have to do it. So it was, it was, it was good to see that. I don't know what's all going to come, you know, in the coming, whatever, but you know, you saw right away. It was, uh, I believe Hunter Reynolds, uh, from Michigan, Austin wrote about him today. Uh, he talked to Kevin Warren, I think yesterday or earlier this week or something. Uh, and they had a nice dialogue and, you know, they seem to be on the same page and Hunter said, you know, um, Nobody's planning on skipping practice or sitting out or whatever. We're going to do what we have to do, but we want this stuff to be taken seriously. And I think that was really cool to see. That was the. It seemed like it was the right way to go about it on all parties. The players did a really nice job of putting together, you know, really con- clear and concise, you know, things that a lot of that stuff the Big Ten I think is already in the process of taking care of. But it also uncovered some other things, like the fact that the that these players and their families don't have access. Free access to Big Ten Network. Have you? That's did you see this? Absurd. That's absurd. I did. Like they were like, "Hey, by the way, can we get free subscriptions <laughs> to Big Ten Network for our families after ten years after you guys put it into into the air?" And they're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, sure, we could probably do that." It's like, I what mean, the, hell's the been fact going that, on that here? the fact that that wasn't a thing all along what? is incredible. Yeah. They should be yeah. getting checks from the Big Ten Network, right. alone free subscriptions for crying out loud. But anyway, right. and that's like, at least a good stuff. I saw. I saw. It was like I think Gottlieb. Yeah, Gottlieb. Oh, yeah, Gottlieb. Just the worst oh, take of the week, which is saying something. It's like, <laughs> nice of them to sneak this in and among their uh, their requests that it's like, bro, they 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 can't go see the games in person, so they shouldn't have to right. pay to see their and, kids. And the, <laughs> and the players are the reason Big Ten Network exists. Yes, right. 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 The only content that sells on the Big Ten Network or rates are the games that these players are part of. Like, I don't know yeah. what else to say, but... <laughs> Anyway, Colton, we appreciate you dropping by. We won't take up all your time. We have a bunch of mailbag stuff. You're welcome to stick around for the mailbag. To get into, if if you you want want. to, you can. I I mean, you're welcome. You know, I don't know if you have important things to do on August 6th in the middle of a pandemic, but you're you're free to stick around. I think think I'm good. (laughs) I think he's good. Good call. Some of this stuff gets a little weird, but in any event, Colton, we appreciate it. And uh, be sure to check out all Colton's stuff. Colton knows all things Michigan State right now, especially recruiting. Colton's all over that stuff. It's been a great uh, – as difficult as this has all been this offseason, Colton has continued to produce a lot of really cool stuff on Mel Tucker's staff, so be sure to check all that out. At Colton, a time that it's been hard to write about a yes. new staff uh, has done yep. a phenomenal Awesome job. job. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, my man. Yep. Thanks. Yep. All right, everybody. Welcome back. We're about to start our mailbag portion. Uh, thanks again, of course, to Colton. Brandon, Colton has been awesome. The best. Awesome during this uh, yeah. coaching transition with the, some of the stuff he's come up with, uh, some of the stories. Again, I would say if you haven't checked out some of this, some of the stuff Colton's written about Michigan State's revamped recruiting sort of department, mm-hmm. it hasn't all translated to commits or the things people probably want right now. But that's all really important stuff that he's sort of highlighted on that was not there previously. And it's um, totally. for those who are interested in that sort of thing, it's all been really, really cool. So. And we always talk about like, especially when we talk to uh, younger writers stuff, like find side doors to walk into to yeah. find stories when access isn't, you know, what you hope it to be. Right. Um, and that's like under normal, in normal times, right? When it's just like a program's just being yeah. an issue or not giving access or a coach is being a dick or an SID is being a dick or something like that. Like you got to find a way. And, and Colton has a, he gets creative. He's definitely yes. found uh 
really interesting pieces to write. Yeah, that, for sure. Uh, especially on the recruiting stuff. Um, yeah, it's all it's all really new. good. You know, it's all yeah, new there. Exactly. So, you exactly. Know, it's, it's a new world for a lot of folks uh, who follow Michigan State. So if you are a subscriber and you've you know been checking out lately and haven't been keeping up on any of that, Colton's got all that stuff. Uh, and we both just uh, wrote something today, actually, um, on Michigan State's recruiting situation that uh, mm. he and I went back and forth. So a lot of stuff up there right now on Michigan State, so you can check all that out, of course. Uh, we have some questions, my friend. I have a mailbag question, Nick. You, you got one? You got one? Okay. All right. We'll I start off with Brendan. How, how excited are you for the first major of the season? <laughs> the first... <laughs> I mean, do you even know I, what I'm? Do you know what I'm talking? I know about? what you're talking about. I don't know which major is being played. Is it the PGA oh. Championship? Is that what's happening? It is the P. It is the PGA Championship. Now is that reg- Park? Is that regularly scheduled, or is that a, uh, no? This was supposed to be in May. Okay, that's what I thought. All when everything got postponed. Um, which one is in the fall? Don't they normally have one late summer, fall, like uh, U.S. Open? That's in the summer, right? That's in the summer. And then yeah. British Open so the, in the summer. the PGA Championship used to be the last one. Yeah, that's what I thought. It has since been moved up in the pecking order. Okay. Um, but yeah, now... What is that? Going gold, to be gold jacket? The U.S. The, <laughs> green jacket, blue jacket, <laughs> yeah. you see, whatever the line is. Um, the, now it's going to be bananas because the Masters is in November. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Yeah, right. Uh, and they're going to the do US that, Open, right? They're going to play the Masters. I think hell, hell, hell yeah. or high water, they're going to find a way to play that, and I'm driving my ass. That'll be that'll be kind of cool. Uh, yeah. The Masters yes. in different weather. Yeah, right? and the yeah. Uh, wow. that'll be interesting. The U.S. Opens in September. Okay, in New York at Wingfoot. So. That'll be cool. I like the yeah, U.S. Man. Open. I'll watch that if if like Tiger Woods is playing, but otherwise, probably not. Oh, if he's on, if he's made, if he's made heart. the cut. I mean, I retired from golf like. Years ago, after realizing I was not good at it, mm. I didn't have the patience mm-hmm. for it, mm-hmm. and it was way too expensive. I can't believe you didn't have the patience. It was way for too it. expensive for my early twenties uh, budget at the time, and now I don't have time for that. I just I, I would get yelled at if I took up a golf. I would probably get kicked out of the house at this point <laughs> if I took up a golf habit. But that's you know neither here nor there. Well, if you want to read four thousand words yeah. on Ken Venturi and Harding Park, yes, you can go check it out on the. Brandon's Athletic. got all sorts Nick. of great golf, golf stuff up. <laughs> And that will continue as well. So do him a favor and check that out. We have golf listeners. We have golf questions here today. So all these, all these folks know uh, know what's up for sure. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's get into it. What do you got? All right. Let me... I was going to start with... Oh, okay. Let's start with a golf question because Carl, oh. asked, the, Carl asked the best one yesterday. Uh, Carl, pandemic pushed me to go to the driving range for the first time. Made good contact with maybe one out of 50 balls. Why should I go back? It's what he asks. So, Brendan, could you sell golf on Carl? And why Carl, who went out to the driving range, tried to get into golf, was right. terrible. Why should he go back and continue to do okay. it? Okay. So, I can't think of a better time that you should want something to distract yourself with mm. that takes you completely out of social media, out of politics, out of health. Related scares and just get you into this insane mindset (laughs) that is required of you versus yourself Mm -hmm. in golf. Um, Great example. Like, I'm a decent player. I'm like anywhere from a 7 to a 10 handicap at any given time. Um, Probably like a 7 to a 12, we'll say. I'm probably far more varied than 7 to 10. Yeah. 
decent player. I shot a 75, not, uh, what, two or three weeks ago, uh, and also shot an 89 mm. recently. Um, but on Monday of this week, I went to the driving range by myself to uh, to work on some stuff before playing around at a nice club I got invited to on Tuesday in the area. And uh, so, you know, I'm going to a good place. I don't want to make an ass of myself because I'm going to have like a caddy and shit. You know, you can't be, can't be thinking and dunking around. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's go, you know, work on some stuff. And my, my game fell apart. Mm. Fell apart. I didn't know how to swing the club. I didn't know how to, like, when I was standing over it, it felt like my hips were pointing one way and my shoulders were pointing another way and my club face is pointing another way. I'm, like, having a mental breakdown on this yeah. drive at miles of golf. I'm, I've am i now convinced myself <laughs> that the guy who's standing in front of me is watching me do this. Oh, yeah, of course. And, you know, now it's me versus him and versus myself <laughs> where I'm like, hey, buddy, look at me one more time. I yeah. will fucking murder you if you look over here again. As I'm shooting them right, shooting them left, I'm all over the place. I got, I take video of myself. I send it to uh, a friend of mine and my brother. I'm like, do you see anything here? Like, oh, it's just God. a total collapse. <laughs> but that is better than reading anything involving. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> involving our national discourse. I would so, say so it's, uh, it's it, when you embrace the stupidity of it. And just, like, if you accept how impossibly hard it is to be good at golf, mm-hmm. then it gets awesome. And it's a lot of fun. And you get your, you, if you can get a little band of idiots together that you play with. I have a group of, like, yeah. I don't know, yeah. 8 to 15 guys. We went, went on a trip up north, and I have a couple things scheduled for the fall of going away with a couple of dudes. Um, it's just the best. And... Uh, it's the ultimate distraction, and who wouldn't want a distraction right now? Do you like playing golf uh, a, better with a group or alone, or does it depend on the day? Um, I think I would like it alone. It really depends on what else is going on. Yeah. Um, if I if it, if it if it's a time when I should be working on something else, <laughs> or I like have a story due that is a disaster. Let me go on golf or, here for four hours. <laughs> or yeah, or like I. Or I have like something going on in my like personal life or something like that. Yeah. Then golfing alone is a disaster. Oh, okay. Like it like can't. It, yeah. Right. It's the opposite of what you think it is. No. Yeah. Like if the if my mind is scattershot, playing golf alone is a bad combination. <laughs> I'm much better off playing with people or whatever. But if like shit's good and yeah. all my stories are filed on time and it's you know everything's hunky dory at home and I can go sneak out at seven o'clock and go play my go play by myself and kind of chase the sun in that's great yeah that's the best get mm. some music playing get some whiskey you know have a great time um i but nine times out of ten i prefer playing with, yeah interesting with a group interesting well that's now our, you're now i can see i can see the gears i mean that would be you're, i, I you're could, do it, alone. To I go could do it alone it depends on the people like anything else uh, I, I mean walking alone is great yeah yeah i could see the i could see the um Benefits of that, for sure. Like in that situation yeah. that you're just talking about. Uh, okay. Next question. You got one? Oh, uh, if you have one handy, go for it. Sure. I have to uh, let's see. John, uh, with alternate schedules for football, do you think we could see something similar for basketball? Any fun alternatives you guys would like to see for basketball scheduling? Um, I think we're probably a little early on 
the basketball schedule stuff, but I assume it'll that's you know on the table. I mean, I would think all things that have been considered for football would be on the table for uh, hoops as well. Do you have any other, other insight on that one? I mean, I, I I still think it's going to be pushed back. I, that's yeah. just my total guess. Um, right now, at, as of his most recent comments, Dan Gavitt, who kind of runs things on the college basketball end for the NCAA, has said you know that they are still full steam ahead for a you know normal november start um but like i mean it's just impossible you know what's going to happen with football in september that's the question we'll see what happens with yeah. football in september and that will spell um what happens probably with with basketball it's obviously a very different sport but like you know i saw goodman tweet earlier today and we're recording this on thursday um i saw goodman tweet about you know some coaches are talking about a bubble i don't know if it was goodman or rostein but there's just no way that is plausible or feasible. Are, well, there's, could some one be, there's one could, way. Could, you could some coaches him. be talking about it? And yeah, I know that that's right. a, a fact that they are, that some coaches are just like, why don't we just isolate? And they do online classes and blah, blah, blah. Like I've heard of this separately. No. That there's no, I don't see how in the world that is a feasible thing. Um, you can do it one way and you can say, all right, guys, um, here is your salary for the season. We're paying right, you. Right. We're paying you, and we're, you know, you have medical benefits, everything else. You're getting. You're going to get paid. Uh, campus will be closed because we're not going to allow you to be in a situation where you're missing out on going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can talk about a bubble. But until that happens, like, no. I mean, like, you're the people who are bringing up a bubble in college athletics are. It's not always the same, but I mean, like we've we've heard this already now for the last several months. When it, all the way back to Mike Gundy's, you know, we need to get football going so we can get some money rolling through the state. I mean, guys, at some point with some of these coaches, it's going to have to click in their brain here. Like, right. you can't ask these guys to do stuff that you know NFL football players are being asked to do because NFL football players have contracts. And the same thing right. with an NBA guy who has to go in the bubble for what is it right now? Like two months, three months, and mm-hmm. next season. The NBA might have to go in the – who knows? And if they have to do it for several months, that's something they can entertain because those guys are being paid and these guys are not. And that's the right. end of it. And like, I mean, between safety procedures and treating them like – unlike normal, quote, you know, quote in normal uh, college students, like I don't know how you can just set up this completely different set of living circumstances no. for these guys as opposed to – their classmates. Right. It doesn't make any sense. No. And it's like, are you going to put a bubble? It also brings up a litany of other issues. I mean, like men's college basketball is not the only thing that's going to be played in, or, you know, in theory uh, is a a winter sport. What about the rest of them? Are we going to swim in a bubble? Are we going to play women's basketball in a bubble too? Like, are we going to do it for everybody? Because that's what you have to, I mean, that's part of how this works. So so to kind of answer the question though, if I'm president of the NCAA, here's what I... I would go and sooner rather than later, just accept the realities of a January 1 or a February 1 start. Right. And say, we're going with that. Conference only schedules. Yeah. And just do a full round robin. So if you're in a 20 team league, 20 games. If you're the Ivy League, or if I, I, Ivy League probably won't even play. But, <laughs> you know, point being, if you're in an 18 league, then now it's a 16 game schedule, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, 
Or I guess you couldn't do 14 for whatever. You do as many as you can right? for the 20 for game Big though. Ten schedule, 20 game SEC schedule, blah, blah, blah. Um, and with the whole goal of being to actually make a bracket yes. for the NCAA tournament, um, I would just cancel conference tournaments mm-hmm. uh, and say we're going to play a league schedules only to build a, confer- a uh, NCAA bracket. I'd expand that bracket to be able to include as many teams as possible mm-hmm. of over a hundred, yeah, 2014 bracket, yeah. whatever. Um, and hosts have the NCAA tournament in April, May mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's, you just have to find a way to get it to a point and you can delay it as I think that they're in a situation where they, like you said, even to February would be something that, probably right. should be on the table if it's not already. And if you just have like a month mm-hmm. before you play it or a month and a half or six weeks and you just fit in as many games as you can in six weeks in a period that you hope is better. And so you can draw a tournament. I mean, this year, this calendar year is, as we know, uh, it's not normal. There's not going to be anything about it that's normal, despite some folks continuing to try to steam ahead like it is. I mean, it's just not going mm-hmm. to happen that way, especially in a college arena uh, and I think people are starting to grasp that more. It was a real problem, it seemed, for a lot of folks early in this process where it was like, well, why can't they just do everything in a, in these bubbles? Why can't they just tell these guys? And it's like, okay, well, you have to, again, remember, you know, they're not employees. That's been made very clear. You can't ask them to do things that you're asking employees to do, you know, and even some of the stuff they ask employees to do at a professional sports level would be considered. Right. Over the line, <laughs> as we've seen uh, already here. Right. So, uh, tough spot. But, uh, yeah, I would think basketball right now, if we're talking... And, and, of course, basketball structure, Brendan, is different than football. I mean, the NCAA is going to have more of a uh, more of a hand in that. Uh, For sure. The NCAA organization than they would with football. But I, I sure. can't imagine... Like I, yeah. Yeah. I would wonder if you would have a better... Like, I think you have better chance of finding uniformity on you the basketball side than yeah. you will with football. It'd be easier to move. I think it'd be parts would be easier to shuffle. Um, and you could just make rules for everybody that they'd all have to follow, and and that would be that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see uh, how it goes. All right. Next uh, question. You got one pulled up there? Should. Um, did I lose it again? Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it more likely that a full football season is played or that there is any non-conference basketball? I would bet on between those two, if I'm putting money down, mm-hmm. which I'll get weird and gamble on some of this stuff. <laughs> it shows up on Bavada. I'm sure it will. <laughs> if it hasn't already. <laughs> yeah. Between these two, I would bet on a... I would bet on some level of a non-conference basketball schedule than a full football schedule being played. Yeah, I just can't see a full football schedule happening. I just, I don't know how this is. I don't know how it's going to start. There's like, I mean, I can't. Right. September fifth? Are you kidding me? Like yeah. that? <laughs> that's like when we first heard that was the date they were targeting. Still, you know, in the last week and a half or whatever it was, I was just like, I don't. Okay, you know, it was one of those things where it was like the yesterday to me felt, or I'm sorry, I guess depending on when you're listening to this, uh, Wednesday when all, when the Big Ten announced its schedule, mm-hmm. to me it felt as much ceremonial as anything else. It was, you know, Kevin Warren I think yeah. did a nice job of trying to articulate that, 
when he said toward the, I mean, he talked to BTN at the end of his um, Q and A there with uh, Dave Revson, I think it was. He said, you know, basically what we're trying to do here is whenever this is done, and whenever we're moved on from this. I want us as a league to be able to look back and say that we did everything we possibly could to try to put these kids in a situation where they could conceivably prepare for something with all health and safety in mind, knowing full well that we may have to pull the plug at any second. But I want us to be able to look back and say we did everything we could. And we took as much care with it as we could. And we tried to take everything into account. And it's and I think that is something that gets lost here. And and that's important because I think that it would have been it would have been easy for them back when they said the, you know, we're just going to conference schedules, it would have been easy for them to be like, we're done. We're not doing it. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, but they tried and they've continued to try and who knows, we don't know what will happen tomorrow or next week or whatever. And today it looks, you know, really, really daunting that it would ever get off the ground. But I think it's important to note that the big 10 seems to be approaching this uh, on the right Avenue of, we want to be on the right side of history when this thing is over. Uh, if nothing else. And we want that to be clear to people that we do care about the well-being of these kids and everything else. And we are putting that ahead of everything else. I mean, Ward Manuel just sent a letter to season ticket holders in Michigan today noting the uh, $61 million, what was it, $61 million uh, revenue yeah. loss that could, e- six, that could yeah. easily double uh, if yeah. no sports are played. And so that's what you're looking at there. That would be a complete disaster, as we know. Um, but, yeah. you know, they're continuing to try. And I think that from a Big Ten standpoint... I haven't been able to pick it much because it's been all the way from the start. The Big Ten, I think, has done a, a, as solid of a job as you could ask anyone. And for somebody like Kevin Warren, who started this job on January 1st, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's been pretty impressive. I think he's been a pretty – I mean, this thing has been all over the place. We've seen conference commissioners get into all kinds of – step on all sorts of landmines and everything mm-hmm. else. And I think they've done a nice job here. I, if I – you know, had a kid playing in the Big Ten, I think I'd be more comfortable with that right now than maybe some of the other stuff that I've heard over the last few months, even though it does seem like some leagues are starting to get uh, all toward some of what the same page, but it's been, uh, it's just been really tough. Yeah, I don't, I, I the thing is like, I, I just don't know what to expect anyone of, the the idea of making any decisions under these circumstances mm-hmm. is, you know, something that I, shit, I wouldn't wish on anybody. I don't care how great of an executive you are. I don't care what level of foresight you have. Right. And even if you have the best intentions for the the players themselves, when, you know, you're under the cloud of revenue and, you know, these schools that are just, I mean, it exposes the massive yeah. flaws of like having a school that is dependent on money based on amateur sports, which is just insanity. Um, and that's why the rest of the world has always kind of looked at the U S system and scratched its head. Right. Um, and this is it. And it's coming to a front here. So how you make decisions under this? Like, I, because I, I do understand to an, an extent that we can sit here and be like, they're kids, they're not paid, they're this, they're this, they're this, they're this. And yes, and I agree with all of that. And I believe that that's the right way to look at it. But at the same time, when it's just like, okay, well, if we don't do anything, then the whole thing falls apart right, right now. So what is the play here right. you know it's i don't know what to do i don't know what you do you're you're everyone's at risk in some way or another and it, you have schools that are inviting kids back knowing how kids behave mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm talking about the general yeah. population right. of the school yeah, exactly but if i'm a university president and it's okay 
in a perfect world, we don't bring the kids back because we know how kids behave, and this sh- shit's just going to spread like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or we risk the entire institution closing <laughs> because yeah. we don't have the money being brought in by said students. Where I don't know what the decision. I mean, yes, you of course you want health and safety is number one. But yeah. also just saying, okay, well, the whole place folds. Oh, ah. Well, the, it's, this, it's, this, it's the age-old, like, this has shined a light on a bunch of stuff that was already there. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, like you just said, uh, this the college athletic model, whatever you want to call it, uh, at the highest level or the lowest level, was not designed to withstand a pandemic. It was barely withstanding you know, modern, you know, whatever, on, on some levels. At the smaller level, but I mean, it's just, I think that all, all that you can do in these situations is admit to yourself when change is happening and uh, try to be as mindful of that as possible while you go through the process and understand that it's happening. The minute you start resisting that is when everything goes to hell. And that's stuff that we've seen uh, over the last several months from coaches and unfortunately uh, some people that were even higher level than that within athletics. Right. But I think the Big Ten understood from the jump this is going to change everything we do and we have to admit that to ourselves number one and then we have to move forward with all of that in mind as we go forward and understand that everything is going to change and nothing remains so sacred that we can't mess with it you know what i mean we can't move it we can't well what about this you can't you can't move the ohio state michigan game off the last day of the schedule no Mm -hmm. you, you can and you have to you know that's those types of things that are difficult for people to sort of, you know, grasp around. I mean, it's just change. You have to understand when it's happening and you have to roll with it. And um, I think the Big Ten's done as nice a job as you could ask for. And I guess we'll see how that goes going forward. Though I am still a little surprised, uh, I guess, that uh, if this September 5th date is a serious target or if it was just, well, we got to do something to get, you know, to give people a reason to even try to get going here. I don't know. But uh, tough spot for everyone to be involved in for sure. Big question. Yeah. Do you have any non-pandemic questions? Yes, I do. <laughs> I got one right here. Um, actually, let me redo that one because I don't know what. Yeah, Robert says, if you had to combine the two Michigan national title teams, what's the 10 deep rotation? Michigan doesn't have two national title teams. I'm not sure what he's talking about. <laughs> Michigan or Michigan State, maybe? And you could take one offensive, one defensive. I don't know what he... uh, He asked a second question. How about this? Robert gets right down to business here, okay? He says, who's better, Trey Burke or Cassius Winston? Wow. So there you go. There's your non... (laughs) There's a non-pandemic question for you. An impossible one to answer, but uh, a unique one, as they both sort of reminded me of each other anyway when they played. It's so hard because I wasn't here for Trey. you, You actually saw... Both in person and all that. I watched uh, Trey from afar. I was in Tennessee at the time. Um, hmm. Without like pulling up yeah. numbers, I'd have to say I'd probably say Cassius personally. You know, I, it's- I, I would I would guess his three point shooting percentage was higher. Uh, he's obviously the all-time assist leader in the yeah. Big Ten. Um, now, did he? But he didn't win a National Player of the Year. No, he award. didn't have as good a season as. But he also didn't have. He never played with 
I guess uh, he did no, play he with had pros good, around he him. He had great players around him the entire he time. Um, this, I, to me, year. it's such a cool question because they're so similar. Like, right. when I first saw Cassius play live, um, it, I don't even know if I saw them live that season. I think it was in the tournament because you went, you were with Michigan and I was, I went to, to cover right. Michigan State. That would have been his, what, his sophomore year? No, that was his freshman year. That was his, that was their first right. year. When they barely got in, the season where they right. barely, and I was watching it with um, Sean Windsor, a friend of the show who I haven't spoken to in a while. I need yes. to call Sean. Uh, and I said to Sean, Let's I said, just call Sean now. Let's Sean just bring him show, into yeah. the <laughs> And we were talking and I was like, you know, he can, when he, cause he was coming off the bench and he would come off the bench and come in the game and everything about the game would suddenly go from, you know, this breakneck pace or whatever it was to whatever he decided the pace was going to be at. Right. So his, his dic- able, his ability to dictate sort of the speed of the game reminded me of Burke a lot because th- those were, that was his greatest attribute I thought was his ability to sort of say when the ball is in my hands everybody around me is going to have to react to me and we're going to play mm-hmm. at my speed and uh, Cassius was like that all the way through I mean they were, they were both guys who could shoot uh, Trey was a good shooter at Michigan Cassius was a terrific shooter obviously at Michigan State um, Cassius is probably was probably a more advanced uh, passer and a more advanced mm-hmm. setup guy at an early age than Trey ever was. I think a lot of Trey's stuff as a sophomore assist wise is he broke the, uh, he broke Michigan's record there. I think that sophomore year, a lot of that was, Hey, uh, Stauskas is standing wide open. Just hand him the ball and let him can a three. I mean, you know, to be fair, Trey would probably admit that to you. So I think Cassius was probably a better passer. um, Certainly early on, although I think Trey got much better as that as time wore on. I think it's, Trey was a better scorer early on, and I think Cassius probably caught up with that. So it's just such a it's, it's such a difficult comparison to have a two year player versus a four year player. Yeah, pro, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know you, how it would have looked. You yeah, line right. up Trey as a sophomore versus Cassius as a sophomore. It's I mean it's without question. Right. Trey was the better player. I um, think Trey's probably a better athlete. Uh, I would say no. I mean, more. not probably. Yeah, right. or without qu- without question, is a better athlete. But also, um, that was also Trey's sort of issue in the NBA when he first got to the NBA was dealing with the athleticism because he's not the greatest mm-hmm. athlete in the world, but he's certainly more explosive than than uh, Cassius was. Right. Um, but the thing, is, the the whole, you know, in a vacuum, Trey's the better player. As a whole, mm-hmm. it's hard to argue. Cassius Winston not being the better college basketball player. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean because it's hard it's, to argue it. Yeah, right, point right. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, it's it's the four versus the uh, versus two um, in in terms of years. Like what was like Trey? I don't think ever shot better than thirty like thirty eight percent. I think he was like a thirty six percent three point shooter. And he got the as yeah, a college some, player somewhere in there. Yeah, um, it was respectable. It wasn't like Cassius. Cassius was a better. He Cassius, had a better Cassius point, right. Um, right. Yeah, he was not that good. No. At the end not of the like day, that. like what's interesting is Trey had that monster year on a stacked team, right? Pros all over the place. Yes, Cassius when he played with all the pros early, almost yes. got lost. He wasn't the star, right? He wasn't the star on those. Well, teams. that's yeah. Then those guys left, and in eighteen nineteen and nineteen twenty. When he was clearly, you know, the the dude, and and playing on teams that 
they mm. didn't have pro talent all over. It was Nick Ward and a youngish Xavier Tillman and Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins yeah. and freshman Aaron Henry and you know and Aaron and Josh Langford being hurt. Suddenly, Winston was a stud, right? And clearly the dude. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing goes for this year, obviously. So, yeah, that's. I mean, it's a great conversation point. I. I but I don't know if there's a right answer you, you could say like i feel like the best way would be like if you yeah. had a, as the whole it's indecipherable but if you had if you're playing one game if you're playing a national championship game and you can yeah. have let's say junior final four cassius winston right because that's him at his best or you know yeah what, right, right second half of sophomore year trey burke was when he was at his year. best yeah. or the whole year? What do you do? the whole, what do you, be the whole who are you year, taking yeah, his whole, one game? Yeah, right. He, he was on the money. I think I'm taking Trey in that case. Uh, um Well, Trey, you gotta understand, like Trey and right. and you know Cassius's personality obviously better than I do. Uh mm-hmm. Trey, Trey Burke was an alpha in college. He just was. I mean, he did not take a back seat to anybody at any point in his entire time at, in college. I mean, he came to Michigan with the under with the the approach of I got screwed and under-recruited by all these places and I am going to spend every minute that I am forced to be in college making them all pay for it. And that's what he did. And that's he didn't take a backseat to anybody. He did not defer uh, to anybody. There was nobody that came across him that he thought, you know, he couldn't beat all those things that make, you know, point guards or, you know, top leads, sure. whatever. Cassius sure. was a defer first guy at the beginning who I think probably developed some of that stuff as time wore on. So if you're asking me in, in like one moment, and if it's like you're up against it, who do I who would I rather have? For me, it would probably be the alpha. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, depending on the opponent, I might not say I'd rather have Cassius. You know what I'm saying? Or, or what your team is. But I mean, if I needed somebody to go make sure, because in college basketball, a lot of it at the end of the day is like, okay, can you just go get a bucket for us here? Like that was at the end there with Trey, that was what he did. I mean, he just, I'll go score. I'll make sure if we're, if we're giving up 10 in a row, I'm going to make sure we get 10 back. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was how Michigan played that season. Um, I don't know. It would have been super fascinating for me to watch them both play each other, you know, lead, lead teams at the same time. Uh, I think the game would have finished in the one hundreds. I don't think anybody would have been stopping anybody, but I mean, (laughs) but it would have been fun uh, to watch that sort of play out. I think they would have probably enjoyed it too. I think I'm sure they would have. I think Cassius has said, uh, or at least, I don't know, I'm sure he's had that brought up to him uh, during his time. You right. know, your, your game reminds maybe a little bit of that. Or he, right. grew, he grew up in the state, obviously. He watched Trey on TV. So um, uh, that would be interesting, for sure. Most fun team you canceled. This is from Sam J. Now I'm poaching into the questions that were replied to in yours. What's the most fun team you've, yeah. you've covered? <laughs> I think you can go, this can be anything. I mean, I'm reading this Most as like fun a team. fun group to um, be around, right? Where the access is good, yeah. you know, you know the guys and all that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, well, I mean, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the first Michigan basketball team that I covered a lot. Um, Stu and Zach's senior year, those guys were great. But really, and this has nothing, I mean, the access wasn't right. great. But Michigan's 2016 football team... Um, was, was a lot of fun. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of work that year because they were really good and there was a lot of stuff going on. But that was a fun group, I thought, to cover. I We did not have terrific access, obviously, but like 
any week would go by and you'd have an opportunity to talk with like Jordan Lewis or Jabril Peppers or um, yeah. I'm trying to think like Taco Charlton was on that team. He was a pretty interesting guy. Uh, Wilton was on that team. I, I liked covering Wilton Spade. I thought he was an interesting guy. Uh, there was a lot of interesting personalities on that team and they were good. And those personalities, mm-hmm. because they were good, came through. We, we saw more of their... You know, they were more comfortable talking to us. I felt like they were more confident. Harbaugh let them, they were older. It was an older team. He let them sort of go. And I enjoyed covering that team. There was a lot of guys on that team that were fun to talk to that didn't take things always so serious. They would, you could get them in a moment where they'd let their guard down a little bit. And you could talk to them about anything. Like we would talk to Jordan or Jabril about all sorts of different stuff or whomever it was. I mean, there was a lot of, and some of those moments sure. could get, you know, maybe uncomfortable too, but like, we had a lot of days during that season where we were able to go in there and, you know, Michigan would bring out six or seven guys that were all like NFL players mm-hmm. and they all had, and you knew they were going to be NFL players and they, and they were all were, I don't remember many interviews that we had that season that were pulling teeth. All those guys were yeah. know, pretty, you know, Chris Wormley was on that team. Chris is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalis, you know, I mean, you know how much I like Kalis. He was always fun to talk to. So, I mean, that list goes on and on. That was a really fun group. Uh, Graham Glasgow, I think, was the year before that, but Graham was a, a great one to talk to, too. Um, but Ryan was on that team. So, yeah, that 16 Michigan football team was uh, not only probably the best team Michigan's had uh, other than the mm-hmm. 2016, maybe. That's the only other one you could compare it to. That's one of the best, maybe the best team they've had this century. Uh, and certainly for that's me, a good one. you know, that's a good one, one. more enjoyable years. Um yeah, no, they, they were... Uh, you were around a couple of those they, guys. They were definitely good guys to kind of like yeah. pull aside and kind of bullshit Motors, with or, you know, know wait out the interviews until everyone left and then yeah. like be able to joke around and have a good time. Right. They were good. Um, they were confident. For me, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. um, just kind of bounce around a little bit uh, the... In terms of like covering professionally, like the teams at St. Joe's back when I was at Stool, uh, those were... That was a hell of a time to be alive, but uh, the, the the 09 Villanova team that I covered that ended up going to the Final Four was like was a great group group of dudes. The old like the mm-hmm. the, the younger guys were kind of all over the place, but the older guys like they were they were like a bunch of like college players who were like you know twenty one twenty two, but it seemed like they were like twenty six twenty seven. You know, they were just like oh god, Dwayne Anderson and Dante Cunningham. Dante yeah. is like I think still in the league or something. Um, Scotty Reynolds was a junior and was great to be around, but it was also like pre Jay Wright, Jay Wright, you know, like he wasn't this guy yet and he was still kind of figuring out his way yeah, and yeah. he had, he had been to an elite eight, but like they oh, went to the yeah, elite eight one. and then like barely made the tournament. Yeah. And it was just, you know, the program was, their fan base was already like, Oh, is this guy for real? Or was that a fraud? You know? And then he goes to the final four and it was, um, really cool kind of to be around him at that time. Uh, the 2012 Tennessee team that I covered was an awesome group of dudes. Now, I got to go to Italy with them, and uh, that team wasn't good, yeah. but they were great. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, like freshman <laughs> right. Josh Richardson. Who That's was a like, great, Josh yeah. is like That's one good. of the nicest dudes you'd ever be around as uh, among basketball players. He was like a freshman on that team and mm-hmm. uh, was awesome. And Jordan McRae was a great dude. Jordan, uh, Jerron Maiman was a great dude. Kenny Hall. Um, yeah. So they were group. Mm-hmm. But of the Maiman, local yeah. teams that people would probably care about here, um, I think 
the most fun team to be around, I I think I would have to say probably that probably the 18 team, the Final Four Michigan team that really wasn't expected to do much and ended yeah, up very much kind of catching lightning in a bottle. They you know yeah, Mo was yeah, Mo was ridiculous. All, all the personalities. And, um, obviously, <laughs> yeah. always been uh, yeah. very high on on Charles Matthews as a guy, you know. And he was that he was that was such a fascinating mm-hmm. year to oh, watch yeah. him go through. Unbelievable! Oh, God. Unbelievable! Him yes, into that group was awful. yeah, like, it was. Just, it, just yeah, for like half the year, he was like an alien, you know. And it was just like, what is happening here? And, you know, JP as a freshman, (laughs) and then you had Xavier Simpson coming along as a sophomore and kind of taking control of the team. And, like, like you were in New York for that. Like, when that team became his in New York, like, that was crazy. Yeah, that was a a fun couple weeks. You know, he's barking at people, and we're all in the locker Mm -hmm. room, and, like, what is this guy's deal? And people are trying to explain it to us. Um, And then, you know, you had these kind of the older guys, you know, Muhammad and Duncan, who were just, again – old guys who were even older than their years. Like, that was a great group to be around. And then, like, just having yeah. a relationship with Beeline at that time, you know, for him to go to a second Final Four, you know, I'll never forget being at the yeah. – going and, you know, I wasn't invited, but I went to the hotel that, <laughs> that night and just went and found it. It was me and uh, Patrick Record, yeah. yep. who was taking pictures at the time. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, the game ended – to go to the final four. So they'd be Florida state and you know, we're Florida state post game at the arena. And I, I Patrick was freelancing for the athletic at the time. And, uh, I'm like, Hey man, like, is your car here? He's like, yeah, I'm like, well, let's just, I know what hotel they're at. Let's just go see what's happening there. I'm sure there's, you know, it's a good story. And Mm -hmm. so we hop in his car and we drive through uh, LA traffic and we get to the hotel and, uh, I think I've told this story before. You know, I, we just kind of waited in the lobby for the guys to get there. So the team comes in and whatever, kind of bullshit. And, you know, all their families are there. So it's a whole party. And uh, and and then Beeline comes walking in. We've obviously known each other for a while now. And he comes over and says, hey. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'd love to just talk one-on-one here if you get some time. He's like, it's probably going to be like an hour. But, yeah, we can do it if mm-hmm. you can wait it out. So I say, yeah, and I did and sat there and waited and Patrick left. Patrick took some great pictures from the lobby and uh, and I just hung out. Mm-hmm. had no idea how I was going to get to where I needed to go or whatever after that. But uh, John finally texts me and says, come on up. We can have a real conversation. And I just needed that one moment just to be like, you mm-hmm. got there. One- did you honestly think you were going to get there again? And does this validate anything in your mind? You know, I just kind of wanted to ask like – yeah, right real questions one-on-one and he gave great answers whatever but it was very much a uh i don't know kind of a raw very it was a very raw team to cover is, is the word that i come oh up yeah because like when you talk to Ka- when you talk to charles it was raw when you talk to xavier it was well, raw. yeah and john in that moment was like guard down him being like Hey man, yeah, it's really yeah. fucking hard to get to the final four, and I can't believe I'm going twice. You know what I mean? It was that. <laughs> so it was a great team to cover. So 
when that team, what was the uh, opening round? They went to like yes. Wichita or something like that. Was that the Wichita? <laughs> yeah, team? remember the bar we went to? Anyway, one of these places like that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Yeah, a couple times. Uh, so I remember we they go there and you have the first access, and obviously we were with them in New York. But to put that in perspective for folks of why of what makes kind of a unique right. team unique, it's the personalities on the team. So you walk into the locker room for access with that team, and it was uh, Xavier sure. Simpson who is unique. I think we could say that, right? You had Duncan Robinson, who is a unique person. Mords Wagner is a unique person. Jordan Poole, Isaiah Livers. Austin Hatch is in that locker room. Uh, You have Beeline and all his staff, which is, I mean, it was like, and Charles, like you just mentioned, and I'm probably missing Muhammad Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, who was super unique. So like even literally, there Simmons was like was fascinating 10 guys who like, who was more. just like, I'm along for the ride. Like shit didn't yes. go the way I yeah. planned, I mean, was, but I'm here. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. were, and that was the story of that team. Shit <laughs> right. didn't go the way I planned, right. but I'm here. And you could say that for Charles. You could say that for Jerron Simmons, Austin. You could say that for everybody in that locker room, more or less. Xavier uh, probably didn't get recruited the way he wanted to, you know, things like that. That whole team was like that. And, and they all appreciated that about each other. And while they were mm-hmm. all sort of unique and different, it worked for them. It was one of those things that you couldn't have scripted it, but it worked. They've got all the right parts in the right spots at the right time and everything else, and it takes off. And those are the fun ones, and they don't happen very often. And Michigan State had that same exact situation, I feel like, the next year. What was it, the next year? The 19th team back, for Michigan State. It was Neapolis. great. Yeah. Where their locker room was, mm-hmm. yeah. This You walk in there, and it's Kenny Goins. And then Xavier Tillman and his story and Matt McQuaid and then Cassius and all these guys. And it's just, they're, uh, those are the super unique groups. And college basketball around here has been so Yeah, it, can, it was that, always interesting. Uh, like, several years for sure. one of the big differences was like the, the Final Four, like when it's Michigan State, it like Izzo, and I yeah. don't think it's intentional. I think it's because of who Izzo is and his record and just the way the media looks mm. at. Izzo and goes to him for the narrative, it's like he can almost take the air out of the room a little bit, right? Like when I was covering like a Michigan Final Four versus a Michigan State Final Four, something that's fascinating is you know how it's always like we're in the meet, right? The media's in the locker room and you're with the players and you're, it's the only locker room you get all Mm -hmm. year, access you get all year for for Michigan, but you're, you're in there. And you're talking to guys and blah, blah, blah. And inevitably, someone will come in and say, Coach Beeline or Coach Izzo is available in the hallway. Right? Yeah. And for mm-hmm. Michigan, right. when someone would say, Coach Beeline's available in the locker room, like, a lot of people would leave and go out there. Yeah. yeah. At Michigan State, when it would yeah. be like, Coach Izzo right. is available in the lock in the hallway – the whole goddamn room just leave. yeah, leaves. Leave. So everyone leaves. <laughs> everyone just exits. Yeah. And it's amazing. And you're just right. standing there. Like I remember the uh, yeah. the Gabe Brown game versus LSU. Had a great game. Um, scored 16 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and put them into the matchup versus Oh, Duke. right. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm standing in the locker room and I'm trying to wait out because I wanted to talk to Gabe for a very specific story um, about his father who passed away and blah, 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 blah. But so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's just not, you know, the question I have is going to take a number of follow ups. So 
it, but I knew inevitably someone was going to come out and say, Tom Izzo's available in the locker room. The whole room leaves. And I literally pulled up a bench and I sat on a stool next to Gabe for 15 minutes. I just had a a full on, this is (laughs) Sweet 16 or whatever, you know, like it's just, it's inconceivable that you kind of would have that time. But the point being, um, I think that Michigan team's personality came out. A little bit more than that, like nineteen Michigan State teams oh, yeah. personality, and that's the reason. That's the reason why is that Beeline has no Probably. personality, and yeah. Tom has an enormous yeah. personality. Right, but even then, I thought that the Michigan State that last one yeah, I, I, came I, out I, more I have than no idea. Previous, I was, ones I was, I was only around have. that. I thought so. I don't know either. I, I wouldn't either. I was not close to it all, but it seemed like. Mm. It seemed like that to me. I could be wrong either way. But, I mean, that's also, if you look at it from a Michigan standpoint and say, okay, well, they made the Final Four that year. Right. And then the next year they were so good. But it did not click the way that it did the year before. And people say, well, why? Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I mean, we just talked about it. I mean, the chemistry of a locker room, we just talked about 10 guys. And if you take three of them out of there, It will always be a bummer that this year's team didn't get to have that opportunity, that Michigan State team. Because they were Final Four good, and if they had yeah. had a run, it would have just been fascinating oh, yeah. to watch Xavier Tillman be kind of a national dude, you know, and kind of have a have a real he would have been you know, too, have yeah. all the microphones in front of his face. He would have been beyond impressive, I'm sure. Um, but the, all those guys, like Rocket Watts, on the national stage, like going into a Final Four, would have been awesome, you know. A freshman, Rocket Watts, you know. He'll have more opportunities, yeah. but that team, especially Cassius, would have really been fascinating to see in that situation. And we got we got robbed of it. You know, everyone got robbed of it. No more, you know, no one more so than those yeah. guys themselves. Yeah, Cassius Winston playing four years as a star point guard and not being able to finish yeah. uh, his season is yeah. kind of heartbreaking. I mean, like about as much as it gets. And the unfortunate situation there, of course, you know, obviously everything he had to deal with. And then, you know, the weird part is, is like, he's also the type of guy that seems like it rolls off his shoulder so easy. You know, everything rolls off his back so simple. He doesn't ever seem to sweat a lot of stuff. And so maybe he's he's not, you know, but I don't know. It just, it you, you feel for him no matter who you are because somebody like that. And Tillman too, of course, but Cassius, you know, to, to go four years. Yeah. At that level and not be able to finish it on your own terms is uh, Savior Simpson, same way. I mean, it's tough to, it's tough for those guys to have to uh, go through that, but that's uh, obviously a uh, situation a huge, we are I have in. A you got anything else? Question. Uh, you want to get to? From Mission Sports. Right. What's in BF Quinn's golf bag? Yeah. Clubs, bottles, otherwise. Great question. Great question. This is important <laughs> stuff. Uh, I am, uh, I play a, uh, Callaway Epic Flash driver and three wood. I'm going to be selling the three wood soon. If anyone's interested, <laughs> oh, it just everybody watch out. Um, what is there like a special though. golf uh, website? I was actually just inquiring about this yesterday. Yeah, apparently oh, Facebook Market like- is a great place to buy or sell used clubs. Um, I don't really do Facebook, but we'll make an exception sure. if I can gets me top dollar for this. Nope. goddamn club. <laughs> yeah. that- 
we've never just said, you know, you ever like get into a relationship that you're in a relationship, but just isn't there. It's not clicking. You know, it's not long term. You got it. That's me in this three wood. So uh, I have an old uh, M4 uh, Taylor made five wood that I'm probably going to be upgrading soon. Uh, Vokey wedges, uh, one old, old school 60 degree, and then two newer. Uh, I have a 52 degree and a 56 degree Vokies. Uh, I do a a Bettinardi putter. That is a cust. It's a it's a very beautiful. What is that? Matte black putter. That's that is that's all. It's also. <laughs> oh boy! Look at that um, matte black. I like that. <laughs> you're gonna love this. It's also the uh, special 2018 Super go. Bowl champion <laughs> edition. <laughs> with, <laughs> with, no, no, no. That, You're not selling that. Score not and date of that Super Bowl <laughs> win. It says World Champions on the oh bottom. It's no. It's, do, you, do, you, it's, do you wear dude, your championship ring out there too? It's on that? <laughs> it is a sweet butter. Uh, I play <laughs> Taylor made speed blades, uh, irons that I was going to upgrade this summer. And then I was like, I don't know if I'll be employed much longer, so I'll hold on to. Th- I'm not, not. I'm not going to make a fifteen hundred dollar iron yeah, right. purchase, so I left that alone. Yeah. And uh, my ball, I play Bridgestones golf balls. Uh, flask uh, of Jameson bottles, is pretty much a standard. Did he ask what? Uh, I have a number of okay. ball marks from courses that I've been at, and uh, that's the only interesting thing. My bag is a red, black, and white Callaway bag. I I, wa- I walk, walk most times. You don't yes. ride the cart, right? You're a walk. You're a golf walker. Yeah, yeah. You're only riding yeah. the cart if it's. Or if, uh, if it, I mean, if it's extremely hot, person. like if it's. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, if it's up in the nineties, yeah. oh yeah, during summer, the day. Yeah. If it's a hot morning, I'll still walk. But if it's during the day and hot, fuck that, not happening. Yeah, yeah. So yes, indeed. Is there anything I, else? I can't limit you. On Did that you one. have you eyeballed through these? All right. No, we got a lot of. I'm good on that. We got a lot of pandemic questions. I don't know uh, how many more you want to deal with on those because there's just not many. I did like that one guy asked how many strokes I would give you on the golf course. Uh, all of them. I'd give him all of them. <laughs> yeah, that would be all. All the strokes would be. We we yeah. would not be keeping score. We just have to throw all the cards away uh, at that one. But um, all right, I'm trying to go through and see. I think we're good. Well, this we is good. I think this is long as shit. One more we're good. That's an hour and a half. We're fine. There you go. Yeah, plenty of time. Before we get out of here, Brendan, I do want to extend our. Yeah. Our condolences on our our behalf. Uh, obviously, the mm-hmm. um, the folks at ninety seven won the ticket in Detroit suffered a horrible, horrible loss over the weekend with Jamie Samuelson passing away. We know all those guys. Uh, I didn't know Jamie that well, but I know Stony and I know Wojo and uh, Shep and all those guys, and it's just heartbreaking, yeah. um, you know, to see that whole thing. So, you know, they're they're continued to be in our. Thoughts, of course, uh, his family as well. So that's a horrible, horrible deal. Um, but, you know, that's, yes. uh, I saw a lot of nice tributes written uh, over the weekend. And, and, of course, that's something that uh, yeah. is still a you top did of one mind. Of you wrote a nice uh, piece, I, um, but or not looking to yep. uh, talk up any coverage here. That was a terrible deal. 
and our thoughts are yep. uh, not only to everyone who knew him a lot better than we did for sure, um, but uh, his family. Sure, yeah. It's it's been one of those. It's really hard to read everything that's been done, but also important. And uh, yeah, you know, I thought what was the one? There was one yeah. great quote where it was. You know, people. Ever, ever, the way everyone's talking about Jamie right now is the way that you want people to talk about you someday. And I thought that summed things up really, really right. Well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. I think that's uh, an accurate. All right. Uh, well, that'll sure. do it for this week. Yep. Uh, Nick, thank you, sir, for uh, for captaining this thing like usual, and thank yes, you to the great Colton Pouncey for being a guest this week, uh, folks. Our, your restaurants are open. For, uh, for takeout and maybe outdoor dining, make sure uh, you take care of your servers when they do it. I was just golfing with a friend of mine right now who runs three different restaurants. And, man, it is bleak. It is really, <gasps> really, really bleak. Um, three restaurants. You know, I just yeah. don't know what's happening month to month. So take care of those folks. Make sure you are subscribed to The Athletic. And if you would be so kind to leave us a review in the iTunes store, um that would be awesome. That's a huge help. Find helps us find uh, new listeners. So leave a kind review if you'd be so nice. Uh, and that'll do it. See you next week.